So Romans 12, you know, you always have to come up with a title for your sermon. Probably not the title you were expecting. So I'd like to tell you a little bit uh, about my week and kind of how this came to be. So your elders have been walking the junior high schoolers through the shorter catechism for a little over a year now. And this is something that we feel is important for young folks, all of us really, to understand why we believe the way that we do. Not just as, you know, PCA reformed people, but as believers. It's important for all of us to understand the why in our own minds. It's important to learn about our faith and the scriptural foundation that supports it. So we've been walking through this for the last year or so. We all kind of switch off uh, with the junior high schoolers. And every week, we review one of the questions in the Shorter Catechism, and we discuss it. So last week in Sunday school, one of the students asked this question. If the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, why are we down here on earth and not up there with him? Or something close to that. So, you know, good question, right? Good question. But that was question one in the Shorter Catechism, and we were on question 38, you know, so. I didn't really think that was fair, you know. That was Leonard or Rich who covered question one, you know. But I did my best because I guess all is fair in love, war, in Sunday school. But I kept thinking about that question because I thought it was a good question, you know. Good question. What's, what's, the whole, what's the whole deal? What's God's purpose for us being down here? And one of the thoughts that I reflected on is that we, all of us, are part of his creation. God created the sun, the moon, the stars, the oceans, the mountains, all the plants, all the animals, everything, including us. We're part of his creation. And you know, when we look deeper into nature, for example, we're often filled with wonder. And when we learn more about science, it starts to make us think a bit. And you start to wonder. And often this has led many into the realization that all of this wonder around us didn't just happen. And we begin our journey of looking for more answers, which often leads us to God. So we, a part of his creation, why are we here instead of up there? God's design was to include us in creating the wonder to those we live and interact with while we are here. And this led me to Romans 12, which is the basis of our sermon today. Romans 12 teaches us some ways that we can glorify God while we live our lives on this earth. It gives us some of the how and some of the why. So let's stand for the reading of our text today, Romans 12, which begins on page 1126 in your pew Bibles. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Please be seated. When I was in high school, I was in a play. I was practicing my lines for the play with my friend Dia, who was a great actor. On this day, though, she just wasn't getting it. In frustration, she asked our teacher this question. What's my motivation? I was like, what? I never heard that before. The the director took the time to explain the character that she was playing why the character felt the way she did and why she took the actions 
that she did so that my friend Dia could fully embrace the character and bring that out in her performance. It was important to Dia to convey the character as accurately as possible per the author's intention. Hence, her question. So, Christian, as you go through this life, I ask you, what is your motivation? Ponder that in your heart for just a moment. Why did you get out of bed this morning? Why are you here at church? Why are you down here living this life? And how do we glorify God and enjoy him while we're down here? The first verse of our text talks about us presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, God accepted the sacrifice of animals, which was a foreshadowing of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God. After this event, the sacrifice of animals became obsolete and is no longer in effect. When we are called to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, we are to yield ourselves completely to the Lord where he can then use our bodies, our lives, as instruments of righteousness. Now this isn't just doing the good things and not doing the bad things. It's much more than just self-discipline. So let's jump back to Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Here's what it says there. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So how do we follow this instruction in a practical way? The power of sin is, it's great. And when we come to Christ, we still have to deal with many of these things in our life. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 defines the world for us as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The draw of the world, it's strong. So how do we not conform to these things? We do it by being transformed. Transformed by the renewing of our minds through God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So to be transformed into the person God created us to be, we need to start by getting his word in our heart. So if you're looking for a place to start, here are some verses to start with that you might want to write down. Romans 10, 17. Revelation 1, 3. Acts 17, 11. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. And Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. God's word and the Holy Spirit working in our hearts is the only thing on earth 
that can transform us from being worldly to true followers of Christ. This is why we emphasize reading God's word daily. Not because it's a good work. When his word gets into our hearts, it gets into our actions, and it changes us. When you think of an older saint who comes to mind in your life, who really exemplifies this to you through their countenance and their daily actions, hey, they didn't start out there. But they were transformed over time through that wonderful transformation that we're talking about. And we don't just see this in older folks, do we? It happens to our young folks as well. And we've all seen that. Robin's dad was a great example to my family. He truly exemplified the Christian life in so many ways. I thought I was just getting Robin, but I got the bonus, you know, with her dad. My kids had a better understanding of who Jesus was because of their grandfather's example and how much he truly loved them and others. And when they were little and, and we taught them about Jesus and some of the attributes of Jesus, they would say, oh, like Grandpa. But he wasn't always like that. He told me that until he became a Christian, he was a very angry man. He lost his first wife to cancer and went through a difficult time for a number of years. I didn't know him then when he was an angry man. But his life was a good example of the transforming power of God and being an instrument of righteousness while he was on this earth. God puts people like that in our life for some motivation to show us what it looks like, to inspire us to follow in their footsteps. So we do not need to get all caught up with what our profession is or what our title at work is or what our status here on earth is. God uses you where you are right now to be a light to the world around you. And those who have gone before us are now up there in the great cloud of witnesses spoken about in Hebrews 12, which also serves as our motivation. So I want to discuss a trap that many of us fall into. And that trap is wearing ourselves out in trying to do more good things to offset the bad things we do, thinking that is what is expected of us in God's sight. When this is our focus, we eventually get overwhelmed with our inability to consistently do the good things and quit doing the bad things, which results in much frustration and we just want to give up. Even the Apostle Paul talked about this, didn't he? So there's a story of a woman who was married to a very harsh man. He was not affectionate or loving, in fact, he was very demanding. And one of the things that he did, he made a list of things that he directed his wife to complete each day while he was at work. Now, she tried her very best, but despite her best efforts, she could never seem to complete the list to his satisfaction. She lived for several years in that harsh environment without ever being able to please her oppressive husband. He died while she was still young and she remarried. 
Her second husband loved her dearly. He gave her gifts. He doted on her. He bragged about her, and he treated her like a queen. One day after being married to her second husband for several years, she found an old list left over that her first husband had given her. And she read it. And she marveled at the fact that she was completing everything on that list and more while she had been married to her second husband. The way her second husband treated her, the way he loved her, the way he cherished her, enabled her to do all of those things and more out of a heart of gratefulness. So that story, while a great illustration for a good marriage, is not a completely accurate picture of our relationship to God. While it is true that we are grateful and that our actions change because we want to please him, we aren't measured on our good deeds versus our bad ones. Jesus lived the perfect life. Jesus did all the good deeds. Jesus was sacrificed for us. He already paid the price for us. God is so much more than the second husband in the story. I mean, think of it. How awesome and great God really is. He created everything that leaves us in wonder. God is beyond compare and beyond our ability to even fathom how awesome and great he truly is. And yet he comes down to our level to hear our prayers. It's kind of like, you know, a lot of you, a lot of you drive to work up to D.C. every day in your car, right? So we're all kind of used to that, getting in the car. It's kind of like, you know, seeing your little three-year-old playing with his little plastic car in the driveway and thinking that he's going to do the same thing with his little plastic car as you're going to do with your real car. And you're just kind of looking at him like, what? You know, what are you thinking, you know, kid, right? But in his mind, he really thinks he is. And that's how other gods compare to our God. That's what I'm talking about. You know, just because someone has a different faith, that doesn't make them your equal because their God is not our God's equal in any way, shape, or form. So we have to, we have to kind of reflect on that a little bit. Jesus, God in the flesh, came down directly to speak with us on our level so that we could better understand. His Holy Spirit resides in us for our benefit. And as we come to learn more about that, our lives become transformed. And because we are transformed, we glorify him. So if you're not already in the habit, read God's word and pray for the Holy Spirit's transforming work in your life. Verses 3 through 8 discuss the fact that we're all members of one body. God has given us different gifts that work in whole in the body to bring him glory and achieve his work. So ask yourself if you're using God's gifts in you in service to him in some way. The church is God's gifts to us as we make our journey on this earth. You know, it's so wonderful to see how this church body has come together many Many times, in various ways, 
which makes such a difference in the lives of others and in this community that we live in. And it's so wonderful to see our young people grow and begin to use their gifts as well. And it's so wonderful to see many of you loving on one another. That stuff matters, doesn't it? Loving one another matters a lot. This church body, all of us here, we are all gifts to one another. We need to be purposeful about getting involved in one another's lives because when we do, God blesses us through each other. Perhaps you have some best friends that you love spending time with, but they live far away and you don't see them very often. You wish you could go see them more often. You long for friends like that here right now. Rich Lino made a comment one time that I've never forgotten. He said, hey, if we really believe that we are brothers and sisters and that we will spend eternity together forever and that God has put us in each other's lives at this time, we need to be intentional about spending time with one another. God blesses us with each other. One of the many reasons that we're here on this earth together being conformed in his image. Iron sharpens iron. Understanding this gives us a whole new appreciation for why we come to church, why we attend church functions, and why we get more involved in one another's lives. It's not a duty. It's a blessing. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. Something that we are blessed to do. This is one way that God uses other people in your life and also how he blesses others through your life. So take a look around you. Your new best friend might be sitting next to you. Don't despair because you do not possess a gift someone else may have that you admire. Allow God to show you yours and use that gift in his service. So the last section of this chapter is titled Marks of a True Christian in many of your Bibles, verses 9 through 21. In your outline, I have designated this Tattoos for Believers. Now, tattoos are permanent. If you get one, you're going to carry that on your body for the rest of your life. And it's also a way to verify that someone is a certain person in law enforcement, for example, because of the, lo- the tattoo itself and the location uh, of the tattoo, right? That's how people's identities are verified. So I have many friends with the Eagle Globe and Anchor predominantly displayed on their shoulder or over their heart. They want people to know that they are Marines because, as you know, You never stop being a Marine, ever. (laughs) When we become known for the things we see in verses 9 through 21, people are going to know who you identify with. They're going to know whose you are, who you belong to. They're going to see Christ in your life right in front of them. 
you don't have to say anything because they see it right in front of them. So let me read Romans 12, 9 through 21 again so we can kind of reflect on this a little bit more. Starting in verse 9. Let love be genuine. These are tattoos, by the way. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I would submit that there is something there for all of us. Now, some of you are known by others for some of these things. Isn't that encouraging? To know that when people read some of these verses that you come to mind for them. But this list goes against how we naturally feel. It goes against what the world expects. And that's the whole point. It isn't you. It's Christ in you that gets the attention of the world around us. And it's the evidence that we're being transformed into his likeness. You may not feel that you are there yet. You may think you are an utter failure when you read some of these. But it isn't your performance. It isn't you. It's Christ in you. It's his word and the work of the Holy Spirit transforming you day by day into his likeness. And the world around us, they take notice. And it confuses them. And they want to know more. Why are you different? How can you respond to the same challenges that they have in such a different way? Where does that peace that they see evident in your life come from? They want some of that. They need some of that. How can they get some of that? And they begin to ask you questions. And you have the wonderful opportunity to share the hope that is within you. The hope of Christ. And in our little individual circles of influence, 
A soul is saved. A life is changed. One life at a time. And that life is changed forever. For eternity. Romans 12 shows us how to live our lives while we are here. It encourages us to be a fruitful part of the body of Christ, the church. It describes for us the marks or tattoos of a Christian. It's, it sheds some light on the why. Let me bring a little bit more of that why out for you as we close. Do you believe the Bible? If you do, then you believe in heaven. Scripture in many places gives us a glimpse but not the whole story because we can't handle it yet. It's kind of like when you're a little kid and you had that big gift wrapped up under the Christmas tree with your name on it. You don't really know what's in there, but you know it's going to be great, right? That's kind of how I think of heaven. Heaven's awesome. It's our reward after this life, something to look forward to, right? And, And we got people that we love that are waiting for us up there. Now, if those are true for you, then you also believe in hell. There is a heaven and there is a hell. God's word is very emphatic about the reality of both. There are more verses in your Bible where Jesus talks about hell than when he talks about heaven. Heaven is so much better than we can even imagine and it lasts forever hell is worse than we can imagine it's so terrible that despite the evil we see others do in our lives we would do anything to save them from that awful fate think about that person that you don't like at all hell is so terrible you would not want that person to end up there That's one of the reasons that we're called to live according to what we read in Romans 12. To be transformed to show them the truth and the reality of Christ so that the lost can be saved. To get their attention, to help show them the way. To be a living sacrifice every day in order to save them from the torment and the terror of hell. Because hell also lasts forever. And that, my friends, is our motivation. I sincerely hope that Romans 12 will encourage you and motivate you to be transformed for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look into Romans 12 to see that it's not our good works, it's not our self-discipline that makes the difference, Father, but it's your word in our hearts, it's your Holy Spirit and the transformational power of that in our life that will transform us into worthy instruments that you can use for your glory. Some of those words are big. But, Father, simply it just means learning more about you and as we do and as your Holy Spirit works in our lives, we are able through our lives to glorify you and be a light to the world around us because at the end of our lives, 
Those will be the things that really matter. I pray that we would continue to meditate on what we've learned this morning, that we would read Romans 12 for ourselves when we get home and ask you what you want our hearts to know, what applies to us, and that all of us here collectively as a church would continue to be transformed and to glorify you individually and collectively. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.